George Bernard Shaw might have once said that America and Britain are two countries divided by a common language. On this podcast, we aim to explore the commonalities and differences in American and British culture, vernacular, voices, accents, and more. Welcome to Transatlanticism. Road trip. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> As you can see, today on the podcast, we're going to talk about, well, we're not just going to talk about road trips, but we're going to talk about traveling. Traveling. And the road, the long, winding roads. Yeah. And... The highways, the byways. Oh, yeah, I forgot. What is a byway? I don't know. As soon as I said that, I knew you were going to ask me, and I'm like, what is a byway? I'm sure it's like some specific kind of road that goes in some specific kind of... Maybe it's those roads, like, next to the highways. You know, those are service roads, so I don't know. Is it the road that's, like, next to the highway? You know you have those little roads That's that what I just always... said. Oh, do you? <laughs> you never listen to me. That's all right. We can cut that bit out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... There were a lot of inspirations for us choosing to do this theme for our episode, but the main one I wanted to kind of touch on, and maybe we can just start there, is the idea of the road trip. Yes. So, you have actually, especially being a Brit, you've gone on quite a few sort of classic American road trips, yes, haven't I've, you? Yeah, I've done, I did one with my family when we did a... Um, which side's California on? The West. The West Coast. We did, like, all of the West Coast, mm -hmm. uh, driving around in a car. We went to, like, Death Valley and stuff. Uh, and then you and I, we did a road trip from the South to uh, Texas and back again. Mm -hmm. um, Haven't we done another road trip, oh, too? We did, um, we did one with your parents where we went to... No, we drove from Texas to... To the beach house, didn't we? Yeah, Texas to South yeah. Carolina. Yeah, so we've made that trip twice. Oh, you've no, done we've that. done that three times. You've done it twice. Well, no, we back didn't. and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you mean? We did. No, it was back and forth <laughs> and then back to South Carolina. Right. That's okay. what we did. Okay. So, yeah. And then there's another road trip planned in the future as well. Um, And what I was thinking about was how... And I was actually discussing this with a friend actually earlier today, but how a road trip isn't, you can make a big deal out of it. And, and you know, you do, if you want to, you can sort of make a big deal and say, we're going to make it a road trip and we're going to do kind of this and this and this. But for a lot of people too, like the choice to get somewhere is often just, well, we're going to drive. Whereas here, that's not so common. If, if you need to get somewhere and it's a certain distance, you won't drive. You'll probably take the train or you'll fly, right? Mm -hmm. For example, 
my spring break of my senior year of college, a big group of friends and I decided that we wanted to go to Florida, but the flights were really expensive. And we decided, you know what, screw it. We're just going to make it a road trip. And we drove like 16 hours from North Carolina to Florida. And to most Brits, the idea of doing a, a car trip that will take 16 hours is insane, right? Well, it's unheard of. No, no one does it. There's no 16-hour well, there's not even anywhere to go that's 16 hours. But, I mean, even just, like, a long car trip I is... mean, the most people would do is probably drive to Scotland, which would take six, eight hours. Yeah. But, but, but that's kind of it. But, and generally, if people were going to go to Scotland, they decide just to fly, right? Yeah. You'd fly to Glasgow or Edinburgh or somewhere and then probably hire a car from there. Right. So it's just interesting how... And I think, too, British people... And we have talked about this. And then when we decided to do it the first time, I remember sort of how excited you were. They they think that there is sort of this typical American road trip, right? What do you what, what would you say British people think the road trip is? Oh, OK. So uh, like this, what, like the stereotype? Of? Yeah. Like what does it entail? Yeah. The stereotype. Well, it would be. Pa would be like, all right, everybody, we're going. Oh, we're going to go to, I, I don't know, Idaho. Is that a good place for a road trip? But we're going, no. we're going to Idaho. Uh, I've hired uh, an RV and it's out front. Uh, let's go. And everyone, you know, they, they pack all, like, some clothes for, I don't know, a week or something. And then they put them all in the RV and then they buy food and everyone climb in the RV and then you just drive. And you drive and you make pit stops at uh, a gas station or um, some diners, mm. or at the uh, roadside attractions, which right. are so prevalent in the States. <laughs> uh, and then you arrive at your destination. And then, because that's a big thing in America, isn't it? That a lot of people, for their to-do driving trips, they, they hire a car or an RV, and they go around the national parks, because yeah, the I national think, parks are so big. I think fewer people do that than you think do that. I think that what you're describing is a little bit of a stereotype. My, Funnily enough, what you're describing, my family has done. We have rented an RV to drive around, but that's not a, a universal experience. Whereas just like a long car trip, a long road trip to go from A to B is a, a more, you know, a more universal experience, I think, for an American. You know, my... My family is a good example. All of my extended family is in Philadelphia, and we grew up in North Carolina. And so twice, three times, four times a year, we made the drive from North Carolina to Pennsylvania, which is about eight or nine hours. And that was just what you did at holidays to go and see your family or whatever. And that wasn't a shocking kind of amount of time in the car. Whereas I remember when I told your parents about that, they were they were sort of like... <laughs> Not flabbergasted, but sort of like, wow, you did that drive so many times and it was that long. But we're Americans are just accustomed to that. It's yeah. just sort of a part of our DNA in a way that it isn't here. Again, because of the size difference. Well, I was looking up uh, sort of the history of the quintessential American road trip. Oh, yeah. OK. And um, it all started. So obviously, you know, uh, motor cars were a thing coming out in kind of the late 19th century so mm -hmm. like the 1890s mm -hmm. that's when they were first starting to do cars right. mm -hmm. and i looked up about oh, let's get my notes i looked up about um some facts and stuff uh, so the first ever american road trip it was in 1903 well that they know about 
the, well, that was reported. It was like right. big news. Oh, because, okay, cool. You know, we there were much more funner things in the news back then right. than there are nowadays. Right. And um, it was in 1903, and Mr. H. Nelson Jackson and Sewell K. Sewell? How do you how do you say that name? S e w a l l. Sewell. Sewell K. Crocker. <laughs> And Bud the dog. Bud the dog. Bud the dog. They uh, they got in a ramshackle little car and they went from um, San Francisco to New York City. Oh, that's a long trip. How long? How long do you think it took them? Well, nowadays a cross country trip you can do in like three or four days, but I'm gonna guess oh for nineteen three. I'm gonna guess it took them three weeks. It took them sixty three days. Holy moly! So it took them two. Two, two months. months. Two months and three days. Wow. Uh, the whole trip cost them $8,000. Wow, which in that time was probably so much money. And that was like food, uh, fuel, right. um, everything. Dog food for Bud the dog. <laughs> dog food for Bud the dog. Yeah, they probably gave him, I don't know, they probably gave him steak that, and stuff. In that day, I think they dogs ate human food, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in 1909, uh, the first lady to do uh, an intercontinental uh, road trip across America was named uh, Alice Hyla Ramsey. And she had three other driving companions. I tried to find out who they were, but I couldn't. I couldn't find anything because it was 1903 and 1909. Oh, 1909. Oh, yeah, 1909. Alice Ramsey, an American hero, the first woman to make a road trip. And she <laughs> did. And she did from uh, New York City to San Francisco. How long do you think it took her? Well, it's only six years later, so not 63 days, but maybe. 50 days? 59 days. Oh, okay. Beat, beat the fellas by... She beat the fellas, Beat okay. the fellas by four days. Was it a rate? Was she trying to beat the fellas? No, no. Oh. She was just, you know, she was just Going being on a normal. road trip. Going the men had to trip. stop, you know, you know, but the dog had to do a couple of days. Probably, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing us those facts, sharing those really, facts with us. I didn't yeah, know about that. And the whole, the, whole, the whole thing about the American road trip came because, obviously, in the 20s with Henry T. Ford, and he started mass-producing cars... Because then everyone had the ability to buy a car and own a car. Well, not everyone, but yeah, the the more people. Yeah, so more right. people, so more people could buy a car. And then throughout the thirties and forties, they were increasing, and so people were driving a lot anywhere. And the opening of the uh, interstate highways in right. the thirties that meant that people could go to more places. So everyone was like, "Oh, cool, we can drive around a bit more now." The um, the idea that you could drive a car for fun started coming about. So that then in the fifties, you know, during that idealized. Um, nuclear family day that people would would drive for leisure and go across country for road trips and stuff sure do you feel like a little bit well i was going to say two things first of all i think also the road trip is sort of in our american dna connected to manifest destiny that you know we just believe it's always out there and we can go and that's what the um that's what the that's what the stuff I was reading online was essentially saying that it was incorporating that was like the new manifest destiny was the fact that you can drive anywhere and go sure. anywhere and you know you can uproot your home from one state and then drive you know two days to then go and put it down in a new state. Do you think that the 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 it's not an, a perfect equivalent, but what what to me I've seen that kind of feels a little bit like the 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 road trip, which is not the same, obviously. But sometimes on the trains, on longer journeys, you see a group of people and they've all got seats together and they've got food and they've got you know maybe some drinks and they're they're sort of making a trip of their train trip. 
Yeah. That's, well, that's yeah. Because that's the closest thing. That's the closest thing in England that we have. Right. Because, like for you guys, when when train you guys kind of skipped out on train travel because well we train, have it it's just like it's you know the country's so big and it takes forever and, exactly and, and it's also expensive, actually. around it's really the time expensive. it was going on uh that the railroad was being built that it took such a long time it was massive ongoing projects right that the wright brothers invented flight right and they, people were just like oh why, why don't we just why don't we do that instead yeah because trains in the in the u.s it's very you guys don't really take like the tra- train trips that we have here. No, well, yeah, because it's everything's just so far apart, and it takes a long time. I've taken a train from North Carolina to Philadelphia once. I did the train rather than driving once, um, and it was not an enjoyable trip. So, okay, great. So that's some kind of the overview. Um, but this what this sort of led me also to want to talk about is the difference in signage in our two countries. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the nice thing I think tourists feel when they come to London generally is like they don't have to feel the fear you might feel in a country where you don't speak the language where you're like, what does that sign say? I'm not I don't know. I don't know what it says. I don't know the language. I can't understand it. I don't want to make a mistake. So here we have signs in the same language, but they're very different. The kind of way that drivers communicate with road signs or even just the way pedestrians communicate with road signs and signage is different. One of the signs that I wanted to mention, or one of the things I wanted to mention because it's, I really can't figure it out and I've been so interested in it, is the fact that your signs here in this country about leaving a place say way out rather than exit. Really? Yeah. Have you looked at the signs to see that that's... We have exit signs. We you have, have exit this signs. Way to the exit. You have emergency exit signs. But when you get off the tube, for example, and you're looking for how to get out of the tube, now that I'm saying it, I understand it. You're looking for the way out. So you look for a sign that says the way out. Hmm. But in we, when you're looking for the way out of somewhere in America, every sign just says exit. There's only exit signs. And you guys only use the word exit for emergency exits, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Which is just interesting. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but I've noticed it. And I think if you if you were an, a tourist, for example, who came here and you got out of the tube, you might be at first confused by the fact that it's pointing to way out. Like, it would take you some time to go, oh, that must be the exit. Really? Would you say that that would be a big language not thing? A, not a big language thing, but I do think it took me some time when I first moved here. And still sometimes when I get out of the tube, I look for the sign that says exit, and I'm like, where am I going? Oh, I have to follow the signs that say way out, not exit. So at times you were just wandering around in circles inside places just like, how do I get out? I'm just looking Where's at, the exit? I'm looking at all the arrows for the tube, and I'm like, where am I going? What is happening? It all says way out, but is that right? Where's the exit? Someone? And then you push a fire door, and people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, exactly. And you don't want to do that. So... So that's one of the signs I, I thought about that was different. The other thing that I'm really struck by, and I, this is going to be kind of silly to do on a podcast because it's quite visual, but we'll describe them as much, best we can, and then you can Google them later if you want to. But I'm really interested in talking about um, some of the signs on the roads here mm-hmm. um, because I we have driven a lot together here, or I should say I've ridden a lot while you've driven. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but when we first started driving, I asked you a ton of questions about all the signs because... Did you? Yeah, I couldn't under because because they're they're very strange. The one that stands out the strangest to me is a white circle with a black slash through it. 
National speed limit. The national speed limit. So what is the national speed limit? Um, 70. That's on a motorway. Right. So when you see that symbol when you're entering uh, a piece of roadway where that's there, that means that you can travel at... Oh, is it 60? No, it's 60. It's 60 on the roads and then 70 on the motorway. Okay. There we go. Sorry. Sorry, British drivers. (laughs) I promise. I'm a safe driver. Oh, God. (laughs) So, yeah, so... This sign that has no numbers on it whatsoever is everywhere. This white sign with a black slash. And I was really confused about it when I first saw it when we were driving around. Um, But it just means this thing of the national speed limit. Whereas speed limit signs in America are always white, rectangular, and they have a black number, black writing that says speed limit and then a number. So you have some speed limit signs, too, that show you a number. Mm -hmm. But... The one that I noticed the most frequently is the one national speed that's limit. the national speed limit sign. Well, I was looking at all the signs, and uh, I have some. I have some. How many? How many UK road signs do you think there are? Like in total, that exist that at it, all? That in total, a hundred. Yeah, it's at one hundred and seventy-one. Oh wow! Holy and then cow. how many um, signs do you think the United States has? A hundred. It has one hundred and seventy-seven. Oh wow! So we're we actually, very close. So we're very close on like mm. you know, I guess we're I guess we are pretty concerned about road safety and they're and, and you look at them and they're all quite similar in how they're laid out. But colours colours are completely different. Mm. So for um, for uh, signs that need to alert you to something, mm-hmm. so like a, a thirty mile an hour speed limit in the UK sign, that would be a red circle with white on the inside and black writing, mm. but. In the United States, you don't have that necessarily for, like, speed limits. No, speed limit signs are all the same, as I just described. White rectangles with black writing. Hmm. And so that's then, interesting, yeah. Um, so, like, directional ones. Mm-hmm. So things telling you that this road goes this way and this road goes that way. Uh, here in the UK, uh, they're often either white with um, black writing or they're uh, blue with um, white writing and white lines. Mm. In the States, directional ones are usually black and yellow. Mm. So you have a yellow little sign and then a re- then the black symbol with the road going to the left or something, and it might say left corner. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of yellow signs. You guys don't have any yellow signs, no. do you? yellow signs here for us, that's like, a, that's like a warning thing. That's like a you shouldn't go there. Mm. Whereas for us, that would be red. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm. I wonder, too, if we could talk a little bit about... It's hard to describe, but, I mean, driving here is insane to me. When I when I am a passenger, I am just baffled by it. Not just because it's on the other side. I've gotten used to that. But there are so many things... First of all, like in the country, if we start there, or not even in the country, but just more in the suburban areas, like where you grew up in Harpenden, mm-hmm. there are roads where I, I don't think you should be allowed to call it a road. I mean, I guess you call it a country lane or whatever, but they're as wi- they're only as wide as one car. Yes. And so when you are driving down that road and another car comes at you head on, yes, you people can, you are just like forced to... Head into the bushes. Head into the bushes and make space on this road that is literally not wide enough for two cars. And I suppose... You know, it's terrifying whenever that happens to me, and it's ridiculous. 
And I suppose it just comes from before we had cars, and they were all wide enough for horse and buggy and yeah, horse and, to pass horse and, each horse other. And carriages, yeah. But that, that's the main, the main. We, you know, once again in the UK, we're using the remnants of old systems, right, right. and we're like, oh well, the roads were good back then. We should just be able to use them now. They are so scary. I mean, I remember one time we were driving, and there it wasn't just that it was narrow. It was that there were these really tall hedges along the side. It was it was down in um, near Cornwall where we mm-hmm. went to that house. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yes. And the bushes were really tall next to the road, and you it was just so narrow. I thought that our car's not even going to fit. And what happens if we come across another car? We're just going to be... You just move over. You people, move to the side. Sometimes people reverse really far back to the last driveway of somebody's house they went to. Well, they, saw. Usually, they usually put in most roads, uh, the, the little country roads. Right they, now they have those little... They have little indentations where you can kind of pull in. Pull and, offs, yeah. 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 It, is, um, it is crazy to me that that is... And also, there are a lot of... Um, just a lot of... Well, really... There aren't road. The roads here are not very wide, no matter what. I mean, country lanes are one thing, but even just like regular roads, um, you know, if you've got a car parked on the side of it, mm-hmm. then somebody's going to have to give way. Whereas a lot of times, roads in, a, in the states can be wide enough that you might have a car parked on the side and the still well, yeah, the other two cars. Are, your roads are massive. I like... still remember when we went to Texas. And we were driving on the highway. You were just like, I can't believe how wide these roads it's just are. It's massive. They're all massive. Like, how many how many lanes are in a highway in the United States? Well, you can have ones that are four lanes on each side. Mm. So it's the same size as, size as the ones in the UK. Yeah, but they are wider somehow. But I think it's wider because there's you more have space. yeah, there's more space. There's not um, in the United in, in the UK. We've got you know however many million people all on one tiny mm-hmm. island, yeah. all, all trying to use the same roads. Whereas in the States, like, you have a lot more people, but you have more space. Yes, exactly. And, and, not, and not everyone drives because, like, your insurance laws are a bit different, so people can't get coverage for cars and things. Yeah, I mean, we do have just a ton of drivers. We just also have a ton of space, like yeah. you said. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I was thinking about that is, again, a sort of visual thing to describe, but it's, it's so worth talking about, is the roundabout. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is a really big thing that you did. did, I just don't understand why the roundabout never made it to the States. And it's so funny because there are some places that have them, you know, and and quite funnily for our life, you know, near the house in South Carolina, there is this one roundabout that you have to go through all the time just to get to our place. And people don't know how to drive on it. Yeah. Right? Remember, we've... It's madness. We've... Anytime I get there, I think, I don't think people know the rules of this because you don't, you know, it's not... When you take your driving test, that's not necessarily kind of drilled into you because they're so uncommon. I know that it must be a part of the driving test because they exist, but they're so uncommon that it's not, like, you know, really important. Whereas here, if you don't know how to drive in a roundabout, you can't drive because every single junction, basically. You need need to get on the motorway, you have to go via a roundabout. To get off the motorway, you have to go via a roundabout. Most town centers will have a roundabout. Uh, it's there'll crazy. be round, there roundabouts everywhere. It's and such a natural part of life. In, I was wondering... in one town near me, which I've told you and your parents about this several times, there's something called the Magic Roundabout. Oh my god, I was and literally just going to ask you to describe the Magic Roundabout. We're so in sync. Go on. The Magic Roundabout is um, imagine a, a, a ginormous roundabout. So it's probably what? It's cute. 10, 15 meters across in the center. And because it's so big, 
they put individual roundabouts around the magic roundabout. So there are one, two, three, four... Isn't it five, five or six? Six? I think it's yeah. six. I think there are six individual roundabouts around the magic roundabout. And so in order... <laughs> It is the single it's most the stressful thing, thing I've ever experienced. And I never have driven it. I've only ridden in it. But even just riding in it, there are cars coming from every direction. And somehow people seem to know when and how to go. I don't understand if it's like a second nature thing or what. But And I asked you once, I was like, how many accidents are there you know, every day on the Magic Roundabout? And you were like, not very many. Not very many. There will be accidents. There'll be accidents, but there won't be... But to me, I was like, like there must be one a... You know, once a week or at least, or... You know, I just couldn't believe it. It's like, imagine a clock, and then, you know, at at 1 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, at 5 o'clock, at 7 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, and at 11 o'clock, there's a roundabout. Yeah. You know, there's a little clock at each of those that's going around. It's really... It's madness. And, yeah. So, <laughs> we don't have anything like that. The, the only thing I could say that we have that's similar is a lot of places have... In my town growing up, we had a place called Five Points, and it was a junction where all where five roads met, but there were just stoplights, and that's how you dealt oh, with it, okay. was you sat in a stoplight and waited oh, for your turn. It wasn't like like all the points converged in the center? And, no. Oh, okay, yeah. good. God, that'd be insane. Well, no, of course, that would be crazy, but that's how, you know, that's our answer to the roundabout, is that every, you know, so many junctions just have stop signs or stoplights. So yes. like a four-way junction, rather than having... A roundabout is there's just stop signs on each road mm-hmm. and then you know you stop at the stop sign and wait until you, it's your turn to go and then you go so yeah it's really google the magic roundabout and hope i'm sure there's like an aerial picture yeah, google the hemel Hempstead magic roundabout there'll be there'll be pictures <laughs> something i want to talk about yeah. is, is because because obviously um most of the driving rules that we have um via the UK and the US are the same apart from the obvious like driving on the other side of the road one of the things that scares me is the turn right turn right on red turn right on red oh, yes you freak out about that every time we do it it's a it's, so this is it's a driving rule in the states correct mhm that um if you pull up to a junction and you are in the rightmost lane in, in in that you've pulled up in you are allowed, uh, even on a red light, to turn uh, to the right. If you see nobody coming. If you see nobody coming. Right. That that just sounds so <laughs> scary. Like, I don't know why. I, I, it's funny to me that it that it frightens you. But but of course, I'm sure it's funny to you that roundabouts frighten me or whatever. But this is just something. You know, when you're sitting in that lane, you can see if anyone's coming, so you know when it's safe to go. And, of course, people are wrong often, and I'm, there's lots of accidents that happen, I'm sure, from people trying to turn right on red because they don't see somebody coming or the person's coming faster than they think or whatever. But, yeah, if you if you are there, you can do it. It saves you from having to wait, you know, for a green light sometimes. But, yeah, that is one one rule that I, I, you always react to it so strongly. It terrifies me. Which is I so just, funny. I, I just, I'd just be like... Okay, and I, I think the first time that I did it, you were like, what are you doing? The light is red. Stop. And I was like, it's okay. It's legal. It's legal. It's just terrifying. Like, I can imagine just, like, looking at the left and be like, oh, no one's coming. And then you turn around. And then you, you're about to pull out. And someone's just barreling down the... Oh, it'd be terrifying. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. That reminds me, though, too. I wanted to talk about um, those two, like, uh, rules that you guys have here that that um, you reacted very strongly the first time I tried to break them when I didn't know I was breaking them. 
So first of all, it is against the law. Well, not against the law. Is it against the law to use your cell phone at a petrol station? It was, it was, to me, I was taught that it was discouraged. I've had petrol station people come out to me and say, don't use your phone. When I was texting, filling up the car, saying, don't use your phone, it could cause a spark. <laughs> Whatever. And to me, of course, that's like, I'm like laughing. I'm like, what the heck kind of spark? I don't understand. But this was a, a rule for a while. I think it has now gone, it's not the rule anymore. But I... You know, the first time that we were somewhere and got out at a petrol station, I got out of the car and pulled out my phone, and Chris was like, put that away. You're not allowed to use that. So that's really an interesting one. I mean, you know, of course, in America, you're not allowed to, as here, smoke at a gas station. You don't want to... Well, of course. Again, I mean, that's like the blooming... A gasoline fight accident. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but that one was funny to me. And then the other one that you reacted very strongly to, and I've actually asked some other people about it, was when we were driving once in the car and it was night and I turned on the little light, you know, right at the top of the... Oh, yeah, that's a really dumb rule. And now, yeah. now it doesn't really... Now I don't... I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, so I asked a couple of other people about that once um, because I remember how when we were driving, I turned it on and you freaked out. You were like, turn that off. It's not allowed to be on. And I was like, but the very point of it is to be on so you can look at a map in the dark, you know. And a couple of other people told me that when they were learning to drive, that had been sort of beaten into them. And they discovered later that that was just like, it's just one of those things parents tell their kids, but it's not actually like a rule. But why? I don't know. Why why say, I think maybe because it might be distracting to other drivers if they're coming towards you and the light is on to then see what's going on in the car. Right, but like that's but not like your that's, fault, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like and that. you needed before we had phones, you needed that light to look at a map. So like obviously people they're you know, they're in there for a reason. That's yeah. what I was like, so confused when you were like, You're not allowed to turn it on. I was like, Then what's literally the point of that light if you can't turn it on while you're driving in the dark? Um so yeah, that was really funny how how strong your reaction was to that. Um, um I would like to talk about the the concept and the American drive when you're driving on the highway that at certain points there'll be somewhere that you can go to eat and like the differences Mm. between services Mm. and rest stops in the united states Mm. and the services and rest stops in united kingdom okay so why don't you talk about what they're like in the uk first um so in the united kingdom we do have um service areas that you can pull off uh on the motorway Mm -hmm. to go into uh you pull off uh, there'll be a roundabout, of course. Um, you, <laughs> you turn in. You'll probably be turning in with, like, a truck uh, with you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be signs directing the truck to go one way. The truck has got to go into the truck spot. We have that, too. Uh, Trucks then, one way, cars the other. And then you go the other way. And uh, the motorway rest stop. So the motorway rest stop will be probably a very squat, grey building. <laughs> I know there are some which are on both sides of the motorway and are interconnected by, like, a walkway. A bridge over the, over the, the road, the yeah. Mm-hmm. Inside the motorway uh, rest stop, there will be pr- probably a fast food chain, probably two fast food chains, um, a WH Smith's, because there's there's always a WH Smith's there. <laughs> Will you explain what a WH Smith's is? Uh, a WH Smith's is a, uh, is a stationer's that was here in the UK that then expanded its um, products into, like, sweets, magazines, hobbies, crafts, DVDs, books, and there's always one. 
There's always one. It makes sense because they have the book stand and they have the sweets and they have like, you know, little things like car adapters and things like that. But there's always one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be an off-brand cafe probably there and lots of tables and chairs. And in essence, they, the, the motorway service areas uh, of the United Kingdom look like places where you'll be murdered. <laughs> you will. They're dark. They're grey. They're rainy. The people there look miserable. Everyone, everyone looks so sad. The people behind the counter look sad. It's just, like, the, mo- the motorway stops here you wouldn't really want to stop in. But so, do you think that American rest stops are different? I think that the culture about American rest stops is much um it's better well like better well organized hmm. because looking at it when you come into an american rest stop usually they'll have what they'll have they'll have areas of green with outside benches and trees yes there's often that That's so there's true. often that there's always uh, there's always like an idyllic kind of spot but i would really say that rest stops in general in america are as murdery as they are here oh maybe that's just maybe that's my Ideal. I think you think that there, and we have been to, there are a couple kind of in the world, in America, like, that are really nice. There mm-hmm. are places kind of, and in the Northeast, they have really nice rest stops. They've got, like, big, giant, there's almost like a mall mm-hmm. at the, on the side of the highway. But in in a lot of the places that we've driven to, um, and maybe you didn't notice this because you were asleep, but mm-hmm. the rest stops are really creepy. And when I've ever done solo road trips... I don't like to stop at rest stops, um, and I only go. So I only do that if I like really have to go to the bathroom because they're very, they're very murdery. <laughs> they're really, but they. Funnily enough, they do. You're right. They always have a green space, so maybe they seem like welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty British. That's just so depressing here. Well, what you I found, was going to. What do you feel about it? Well, what I was going to mention, which is kind of a segue and connected to this conversation, is the difference between. I'm now thinking. I don't. Do you guys even have drive-throughs at fast food we, we places? We have drive-throughs. Yeah. Okay. I've never been to one, and I've never noticed one. McDonald's, the chain McDonald's. Um, hashtag please sponsor us. Uh, they have they have um, drive-throughs here okay. in the UK. I've never seen one, but but I, I mean, I, of course, I believe you. But it's not they're not so uh, noticeable or ubiquitous mm. to me. Whereas in America. If you're on a road trip, you know, you're looking at the exit signs for each exit that are blue and they've got, they'll tell you what each exit has, you know, food. And you're looking for the one that you want, you know. Mm. Remember the time that we like waited and waited and waited for an exit with a Taco Bell because yes. we really wanted to eat at we a Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Hashtag Taco Bell, please sponsor us. Um, but every single place that you'd go to off the highway in America would be uh, would it be a place that has a drive through if you wanted it you could go in as well but you would go you know the whole point of the drive through kind of is that you can drive you know you never have to get out of your car and you can keep going on your trip with your meal in your car and i just that's not as common here if you take no, a stop no. if you take a stop at a rest stop here it's expected that everybody gets out of the car and goes and gets a coffee and, yes and it's you know, and you sit inside and you sit inside purposefully mm-hmm. rather than you know, sometimes, I, you know, I think maybe because our trips are so long, you might go, OK, we're taking a stop, but it's not really a stop. It's just a uh, we're going through the drive through. We're getting something. And we're going to keep going or we're going to run in and grab something, go to the bathroom, then run back out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less of like when you're on a when you're going to a, 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 a stop here, it feels like sort of an event. Yes. And, and and they're kind of designed to be, they've got a little bit more stuff. They've got the W.H. Smiths. They've got the, the cafe. 
because it's meant to be a kind of a literal area for you to stop and rest and yeah. rest stop. But in America, they're kind of like in and out. It's like a you know a flashbang. And you can go to the toilet very easily. You don't have to go. Can I have the? Can I get the key to the bathroom? <laughs> yes, the whole point of rest stops, in fact, in America is the bathroom. So you can just run in and, and use the bathroom. Yeah, that's really funny. And it's funny too that I think you you think. And I don't, I don't, I understand why you do, but you have this idea in your mind that it's like idyll- idyllic and beautiful. Yeah. When really, there is a green space that is usually nice cause for dogs or whatever. But then, if you go into the toilets, it's murdery and very frightening. And also, something that really sticks out to me about American rest stops that wouldn't necessarily be true here is like, if it's just a rest, a, a, what is called like a rest stop, which is run by the, which are run by like the Department of Transportation, all they are is bathrooms and then vending machines and the vending machines are always like behind cages so you can't there's no way you can steal the food and you know so you need to have change if you want to be able to get something from the vending machine or a drink here you might just have a toilet right <laughs> and nothing else and, that's kind yeah. of it. and then you, you get out <laughs> and it's just you know there's, there'll be some green but it might not look nice right yeah roadside attractions hmm. that's a big thing in the states isn't it I don't think it's as again. It's something I wouldn't say is as big as you think it is. I really? think it's it's a kind of old school thing that people would have done. They would have gone on the road trip and stopped at the roadside attractions. Let's go see the world's biggest ball of yarn or the. Come meet Dinky, the giant dinosaur. Or yeah, the world's you know biggest rocking chair or something. So that that really used to be, I think, a part of the fabric of the idea of a road trip is you could you know see something off the side and go, oh, let's go stop there. I don't think that's so common nowadays. But you're right that the, and it's unique to America at least. They don't have that here. No, no. Um, I remember. I remember we were driving through. I think it was when I was with my family, and we were driving through. Um, Utah, mm-hmm. somewhere in Utah, and there was there was something which was like, "Come see the Cave of Wonders with all the most beautiful gems you'll ever see in it, and and marvelous fossils." <laughs> and I think my dad, I think we did it. I think we actually went in. Oh my god! And oh lord, it was so disappointing, right? Oh, yeah, it's it, just it was cheap. Like, it was gemstones, yeah. gemstones on rocks um, behind little rope barriers oh my god and some paintings with vague facts about fossils and then the fossils themselves and then that was kind of it it wasn't even it was it was in a cave mm. um i think there was a lady who was running it she was very nice but um it's funny yeah. though this must have really kind of influenced you because i remember when we were on our road trip one of the times we went from texas to south carolina <gasps> the gator farm the gator farm the gator farm. I knew you were going to say it. You were gonna oh, remember. the gator farm. We passed this sign for the gator farm twice, once on the way there and once on the way back. And you were so desperate to go. And I was like, I guarantee you, if we go to that gator farm, you're going to be disappointed. It's not going to be whatever you have in your mind because these roadside attractions are, they're meant to, you know. Well, from what I have in my mind, if I'm anything but severely um, enjoy, if I, if I don't severely enjoy the gator farm, uh, we will go there, but... <laughs> If I don't enjoy it, then I will demand my money back. Oh, my gosh. Like, if we go there and it's just, you know, a pool of water with an inflatable right in the center. <laughs> it's just like, where's the gator? Yep, there it is. Now, there will be real gators. I just don't think it will. Yeah. So, that's really funny that, obviously, that had an effect on you. And you remember it. Yeah, um, of course. I don't think we're going to be going on that route this time on the trip. So, we will not be going. Maybe, maybe we can make a detour. To the gator farm. <laughs> Well, that was really a a great conversation that I enjoyed. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, yes. I think it is time. Yeah. Yeah, it's time for us to go. So we, um, what I was thinking we'd talk about next time is childhood. Yes. Key, key childhood moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe television shows we remember, specific ones. Nursery rhymes, songs. Nursery rhymes. Yeah. What we, how, you know, we were brought up in Mm -hmm. childhood wise. Yeah. I think that will be a very interesting one. I do. I think that will be really interesting as well. So we're going to chat about that. Um, I've been working in some schools here, and I've been really noticing the differences in like the way kids are in school. So that can be a part of that conversation as well. Mm. Like always, please like and subscribe uh, to our show. Like, rate, subscribe. Like, rate and subscribe. Thank you. I couldn't remember the second one. And share the podcast with anybody you think would enjoy it. Share it far and wide. Send us anything you think we should talk about. We're at transatlanticismpod at gmail.com, or you can contact Chris or Amelia personally. We are uh, just delighted to talk to you and share little bits of our life. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. Road trip. 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 Road trip.